0: Luke 7.36 is where we're at as we conclude today part 7, but don't worry if you haven't been here, you'll totally get it. Uh, It reads like this, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and a Pharisee is like the religious ruler of the day. So one of the Pharisees invited him to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house, "...reclined at the table, and when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them..." Yeah, his feet... Okay, anyway, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Inner, inner, inner. I'm just kidding. But it would be sweet if it would have echoed in the room. Okay, so verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, remember they're in a Pharisee's home, all these religious rulers, well, I don't know, who, is, who is this who can forgive sins, right? They're getting all Religious. In verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Man, there's just something incredibly comforting to know that Jesus receives sinners and forgives them. In fact, Jesus literally cancels the penalty and path of sin in our lives. He cancels it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I don't know if you've ever been looking forward to something and and you've just been like anticipating it and then it was canceled. Like, let's say you've been on a really long trip, you're just ready to sleep in your own bed, you're on your way home, and you look up at the board when you're checking in at the airport and your flight has been canceled. Isn't that the worst? You're just like I want to be home. Unless you really wanted that bonus flight that maybe they would hand out if you got bumped or something. But when it's canceled, you're just... What about you have the concert ticket and you're so excited to go? And it's going to be a big concert, you know? Ra ra la, la la. Anyway, and you're like, you know, I'm going to go see this, and then they canceled. Oh man, God got totally did that to Seattle. Anyway, you know it was beautiful seeing Peyton up here in the Del Vegas dedicating their child. But back in February on the 9th, we were getting ready to dedicate another beautiful child, the Nelson's baby. And uh, Madeline was going to be dedicated, and it snowed that morning, 7 o'clock. We had to make the call so that we didn't have to pay for the venue and canceled church. And then we played in our neighborhoods and had a lot of fun. So, uh, but it was like, oh, man, I just felt horrible canceling on the day they had family here. Oh, that was awful. But the snow had another plan. Okay, so there are some times, though, when it's going to be something bad that you're not looking forward to. Like it's going to be something that you don't want to happen. And that also can get canceled, right? What about being called in for a surgery and you're like you're you get the prognosis and you're freaking out because it was like and we got to get you right in and you're nervous and you don't know what to do and you're and then it gets canceled last second isn't that a good day like you're like so I had a story where I may have shared it before, but this gentleman was going in for surgery and my car broke down. I was going to go pray for him in the waiting room before he had surgery. And so I was getting ready to go and I didn't know what I was going to do. I love this family. I was like, you know, their kids were in our youth ministry. I was like, what do I do? I don't know. And so I, I can't think of anything. So I just get on the phone and I call up the hospital. After trying to get the car getting me there, and and it didn't work. And so I'm already like, I would have been late. And I call, and they're just wheeling him into surgery. They're going to like restart the pace of his heart or whatever. And uh, so I get on the phone, and they patch me through to the operating room to pray. I'm like, I'm his pastor. I'm supposed to be there to pray with him. I'm going to get fired by my pastor if I don't pray with him. No, I didn't say that, but I was like, you know, I just, and so they, they do patch me through to the operating room. He puts the phone to his ear. We're praying, and his heart corrected its rhythm before they shocked him. Cancelled. Surgery canceled. He was like, yeah, it was a good day. It was incredible. Well, if you're in Bonnie Lake very often, Chances are, you'll get a speeding ticket, and this is one of those things you would love to be canceled, right? And so you fill out the back of the like I wasn't not speeding. It shouldn't be speeding going 30 on a road, but here for some reason it's 25 miles per hour. And so you're filling it out, and you're like, I want, yeah, oh yeah, I want the officer to show up. Vince is gonna be there, you know. So you sign it up, and you're like, you're like filling out the ticket, and you send it in. And what if the officer can't make it? What do they do? canceled. Have you ever had that? App? Not that I've ever gotten a speeding ticket before. <laughs> I was telling stories to the chief of police as they were in the dunk tank at Bonnie Lake Days for us. And, 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 then, and, and then the motorbike cop that writes all your tickets was there. And he's like paying money to us for our school supplies to throw balls and sink the mayor later. I was just going, this is kind of classic because you wrote tickets to people coming to church on Sunday mornings and now I'm taking your money how's it feel? Anyway, it was kind of, it was anyway. Your dream is that that ticket will be canceled, and uh, it's fun when that, when that happens. Well, speaking of uh, school supply give and raising money at Bonnie Lake Days and stuff, we were having some fun there. But uh, 486 students and families got the news at the end of this last school year that they school supply potential cost was canceled because of the generosity of Open Life Church and that they would have 100% of their school supplies covered. And uh, and their principal came out and was in the dunk tank yesterday for about 45 minutes and just had a a lot of fun. But just imagine the family that was stressed about the $25 to $50 per kid they were going to have to spend. And they look and they get that news and they're like, Cancelled. Sometimes it's good news to get the news that it's cancelled. And that's what we see inside the text here. Man, when we put ourselves in this and, we, and, and this woman hears that the debt of her sin is cancelled. In the parable, all of a sudden the, the 50 and 500, both are cancelled. Jesus is teaching us something and to really grab a hold of it. I think we need to put ourselves into the scene. Jesus is invited by the religious people of his area. I don't know, maybe to learn, to talk, to debate. I don't know what. We're not given their intent of why they invited him over. Why did Simon invite him into his house? I'm not sure, but they invited him in, and they're observing his behavior, and they're looking for ways to pick on him and judge him and and being very religious. They're reclined at a table. We don't know who told this woman. We don't know who let her in. If they all knew who she was, right? We don't know if she had previous contact with Jesus. This is when she comes on the scene. But as Jesus is sitting with Simon, who invited him to the house, what the Scripture would pretty much equivalent call a prostitute, shows up at his feet and begins to weep and anoint and do what we see here. And this is, in order to get a full understanding of a story like this, you really have to think of the reality of the context of it. And so I want to I help us go there. And sometimes we can try to read through the Bible so quick that we're just like, this doesn't make sense. What is this stuff, and how does it apply to my life? Well, if we really kind of pause for a moment and consider the story, we can see how it applies. And so you have here this this woman who is like, man, how can we put her into a modern-day context? We need to picture a person who represents like someone who's just well-known by everybody to have gone far from the, the path of purity or whatever, you know, just somebody who represents, like, they can make you nervous when they come into a room with kids. Maybe, you know, like what are they going to do or just kind of start to picture somebody in your head and this person is going to start washing the feet of the most religious person in the room and now it's a room full of religious people and so now you're like, you know, people want to get on their best behavior, they start to try to clean up their language a little maybe and they try to, you know, all these things that they try to put on the the perfect self for the religious people. So now that person comes into this room and, and, and starts to like touch the feet which they're all walking around in sandals, so the feet are dirty, and it's tradition that they have a basin to wash their feet when they come in, and maybe they would have servants doing that, but still eyes kind of picturing that person. If you're struggling picking an individual, I figured I would help a little. Let me just help you. I'll put a picture. Let's say she comes in on a wrecking ball, and she finds herself at the feet of Jesus, right? It's just... Just just an example. I'm not saying this is who's in the story or making any judgments on Miley's life. But she comes in on a wrecking ball. Okay, so she's there, and she's at Jesus' feet. And maybe if she were the one in the story, she wouldn't be kissing his feet. She'd probably be licking them. But anyway, let's let's keep on subject here. Get that tongue back in your mouth, Miley. Okay. They were shocked that she was in the room. They were shocked that Jesus wasn't responding like judgmentally or like saying, get away from me, woman, right? Everyone knew the woman in the town. Her reputation preceded her, and it was absolutely not an option. If you were a religious person, if you're a prophet, if you were the son of God, no way would you let this woman be with you, let alone make you unclean because her uncleanness is like all over your feet. Kind of interesting, huh? I think maybe they were just nervous that she was going to start twerking with the disciples or something in the room, right? Okay, nobody laughed. That was a little too close. Okay, never mind. Uh, but, you know, just you just got to, if it was Miley, that's what they would. They, I've seen what. Okay. Imagine being the guy next to Jesus. Okay, so picture the room. Like, they have these big pillows. You've seen the pictures, right? And, and, and like, you know, of the, the, like, Last Supper and stuff. They're reclined on pillows at a table. It's not like we eat with scooting in on chairs. And, you know, the woman wasn't under the table washing his feet. And they're like, oh, whoa, weird. There's like somebody down there. No, it was like more like they're reclined. His feet are back. I would do it, but I'm not very flexible. And uh, so they were like, I'm sore after the dunk tank, honestly. I was in there a lot. But they, uh, so reclined. He's reclined. So his feet are like at somebody else's back. So imagine you're sitting there eating grapes or whatever, chilling with Jesus. And Simon. And you're hanging out at the table, hobnobbing with the other religiousies around the table. You were invited. And all of a sudden, you're like, what's that smell? And there's like perfume. There's heavy perfume smell. Now, I give my girls a bad time. They like that stuff that they put on their hands to disinfect everything, you know. And, and like, it has lots of smellies. Like when they go to the outlet stores, they try to find the the bed, bath, and beyond, and they get all different smelly things to rub on their hands. That drives me crazy. I really just, I can't stand. Like you have banana over here, and fruit over there, and mango, and it's all these scents. You're just like, I'm gonna die. So this guy is eating at the table. Imagine the alabaster jar begins to be poured on Jesus' feet, and he kind of hears this sound behind him like, (laughs) right? Picture the scene. This is not made up. It's all right here in this passage. She's crying. She's kissing his feet, anointing his feet with oil, and washing her hair with her tears on his feet. So Miley would have way too short a hair to pull this off. But anyway, isn't that interesting? That's the scene. It's awkward. Maybe the dude next to Jesus could smell. You know when you cry? And you get like that ugly cry. It comes from deep inside. And for her, I think it's a joy cry, a worshipful cry, but it's an ugly cry. It's like the hop-up cry. And you get that nasty breath that comes from somewhere you didn't even know you had, right? Maybe he's smelling that too with the perfume. That's the scene at the table. And they're like, Jesus, what are you letting her do that for How would Jesus do that? How can Jesus let her do that? That's the scene. Jesus sees this as a teachable moment. I think we allow, or maybe Jesus just allowed the tension to build, 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 build. build So that Simon couldn't help but say something. All of a sudden, he was able to connect the dots between love, faith, forgiveness. And this was a perfect moment to confront it through the faith-filled, loving, and generous acts of what they referred to as a sinner in the room. Because of her faith, not her actions, which were just evidences of her faith, but because of her faith, she's forgiven, we find out at the end of the story. But again, not just forgiven, which means her debts of sin were canceled, but she was saved. She was able to begin a new life. She was able to experience something she probably hadn't in a very long time that he concludes this section with, a promise of peace. Imagine her life. If she were a prostitute, all of a sudden, for the first time, not worrying about the next day, Like, canceled, forgiven, peace. What a moment. What a beautiful moment. The church has to be a place who extends this same welcome, who receives sinners and extends forgiveness to all, and and share good news of peace to those who most desperately need it. We have to be those people both when gathered and when scattered, when we're out in community being present with those who really need Jesus. Man, we need to embody this promise. The result of Jesus' embrace of this woman and her extravagant worship of him is just confusion in question to the Pharisees, I'm sure. But it's a great lesson of generosity and forgiveness for us, right? Next week, we're going to begin... Uh, a part uh, a new a new series or segment of our Luke series it'll come and go during the remainder of Luke but it's it's going to be talking about parables and and right in the middle of this section of scripture we have a parable a parable is a story that points out a specific truth right spiritually and Jesus takes the time here in the middle of this moment with this woman to share a parable with Simon to see How much do you get this, right? I want to help you comprehend the scene. It's a teachable moment of how to correlate love and the cancellation of debts. And so I want to look at this just for the next 10 minutes. What are some of the points we should walk away with? Having looked into the context and understand the scene a bit better, if we placed ourselves in the room, what could we see Minus the thought of twerking. Here we go. Number one, don't confuse your story with your identity. Don't confuse your story with your identity. Don't confuse what's known of you as being the only version of your potential. This woman surely had a story, a storied past that everybody in the room but Jesus was familiar with, supposedly. But in fact… Jesus was the most familiar. They just didn't get it. In Jesus' eyes, the most important story was her forgiveness that was about to happen. It was interesting, you know, we, we, we need to live with our future in view. Your most important story is not what you've done, but what you will do, right? And, uh, and Jesus forgives. He just literally canceled the penalty and path of her sin in this story. And the religious attributed her behavior uh, as her identity. They said this is who she is as a sinner, right? They just like label her. But it was just, it was her story to that point. It's it's her choices led her to, to have sin as a fruit of her life. But at any point in time, our path can shift. When we encounter the love of Jesus, our path is never the same. They began to judge, but Jesus did not because he knew her. And I want us to comprehend how much he knows us and he knows you. From the moment of conception, the Bible says. It's interesting. In Genesis 127, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we are created in the likeness and image of God. This woman is created in the likeness and image of God. Everybody on this planet is created in the likeness and image of God. There's not one that's a mistake. everybody's valued in the eyes of God. He creates us in his image. Psalm 139:13 teaches us in a moment of worship, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Pause. On verse 16 there, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days. What chapter of your life are you most ashamed of? What are you most ashamed of, people to read? I tell you, for mine, it's everything prior to the age 21. Where where, like what book of your life are you most ashamed about? Get this. God created you having read that chapter. It's not a surprise to him what you did. Let me remind you, verse 16 all the days ordained for me written in your book before one of them came to be. He knew the choices we would make, but he still gave us the freedom to choose. Every chapter, every word, every sentence, he's not going, oh, wow, didn't see that coming. Yet he loves us. He's not surprised by our story. We're the ones that judge ourselves more strongly than he does. He just wants us to catch up to our purpose and destiny. What's the next chapter? What's the new season? Jesus loved this woman at his feet. Tears, hair, expensive offering of worship, story and all. He was not blind to her story. He was there when it was written. He read every page and still said, it was very good. Did you know this about you? Did you know at the end of Genesis 1 how it concludes? So God makes everything, and it's good, right? He's like making stuff and animals and things and trees, and, and it's good, and this is good, and this is good. And then it gets to the end, and he makes man. And it says, who we read just a second ago in his own image, and it was very good. All the days written. And he goes, very good. That's how he thinks about you. God is not looking at any of us in this room, no matter what we did last night, and saying, you sorry little, how could you walk into open life? I can't believe, you know, it's not like, that's not, I'm going to come in judgment. Lightning, people think that. Man, if I go to church, I'll get struck by lightning. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. You think it's going to, but... Because you're very good. When you walk in, he's like, oh, see, I, knew, I saw this coming. This is very good. Number two, loving much is more important or more powerful than being religious much. Loving much is way more powerful than being religious much. I mean, how is your connection with God? On a scale of one to ten, How are you doing there? Where's his presence in your life? How are you sharing your love for him with him? Are you an extravagant worshiper? Because that's the demonstration we're seeing and what's confronting the religious people is that this woman with a storied past is out worshiping them big time. And it's making them feel awkward. They don't think she should even worship him, which is just all wrong. Are you generous with the Lord? Her worship was expensive, and it had to have bothered the religious people. The amount of money that was in that alabaster jar. A year's wages, some accounts say. As a kid, i got to admit, I got so mad at my mom once. She got a $28,000 inheritance that her relatives fought over forever because the will wasn't clearly written. Who gets the money? Battle, battle, so often happens. And after the battle was cleared and the dust settled, a $28,000 inheritance shows up, and my mom gave 10% of it to the church. I was mad. I didn't get it. I hadn't read the Bible about tithing. I hadn't read the Bible. But anyway, you know, I was just like, you know, I was like, oh, man, you're a sucker. You know, I was just like, I was not happy. I'm like, that's 20, I could buy a car. I was probably like five or something. But anyway, I was just like, I can't believe you. You know, we were poor. I was just mad. Totally didn't get how, I, I just saw this as an expensive Did not get that your heart is so tied to money. Mine was tied to money, man. I worship money, not like God. But my mom was so grateful for what they got that she wanted to, to as spirit, make a spiritual act of worship to God and tithed on her inheritance. But I judged her. I was the wrong, right? And people in this room were kind of doing the same thing to this woman, but they should have known better. They're the religious ones. I was the irreligious kid mad at my mom. She brought what anyone would consider an over-the-top offering to Jesus and was not considered in the room more glorious for it or more righteous for it. In fact, they pointed her out and made her a public disgrace in the room. She knew in her heart, though, that she had been forgiven much, and therefore, as we often say, giving is not a financial transaction with God. It's a spiritual one. And she was having a spiritual moment with Jesus with this offering of oil, expensive oil. Let's consider this parable. One person had 500, let's just say it was dollars, right? But $500 he owed and the other $50. And the debtor cancels both. God doesn't desire equal gifts, just equal sacrifice, right? Equal passion in worship. Not being, you know, entitled, if you would, who consider faith just a right and he's confronting this truth in the Pharisee. Pharisee didn't even offer Jesus. He showed no, like, honor to Jesus. He didn't even offer to wash his feet. Just kind of treated him poorly, uh, lacking worship, right? And so here he is, you know, confronting that with this parable. And I can relate to Simon. Like, I have been there I've been there. It's easy to be in Simon's seat, forgetting to consider the honor of having Jesus in our presence, forgetting to offer love and embrace to Jesus. And today, you know what? Maybe it's engaging in worship would be a modern illustration. We just disregard that. We show up late, and we walk in, and we just never even connect with Jesus to give him thanks. We just come and hear a good talk. Maybe it's good, maybe, I don't Depending, you know, anyway. You know, you hear, hear a challenge, you're inspired a little, and you go, but do we really devote ourselves to meditate on the Word daily and offer thanks for Jesus being in our life and giving us a place to worship? And I don't know, I think sometimes I can be like Simon and just take it all for granted. Forgetting to thank all the volunteers who set everything up. It's a blank room. Forgetting to thank those that are pouring into our kids' lives, and I don't know. I think it's easy to look at our life and go, okay, yeah, I could be Simon pretty often. Water for my feet is an interesting phrase there that he confronts him with, and, and like I said, there's usually a basin, and people would wash their feet when they come in, or they would have a servant that would wash their feet, but it's interesting when you look at the all of the Bible. What are the... What what does the Bible refer to as his hands and feet? Us. Isn't that it's interesting. We are now God's hands and feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who take good news to the ends of the earth, we can read in scripture. And it's like we're now the feet, interestingly. We must be those who would refresh and 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 just bring honor and give honor to those who give up their life to spread the gospel. I'm excited next Sunday. We have a missionary here with us. He's a missionary associate, whatever that is. But anyway, so he's going to be, uh, he's from our partners in, in Sarabaya, in ICA, Sarabaya. And uh And I'm so excited to hear from him. And we're going to be casting a vision next Sunday for our 2015 missions trip. And just having a great dialogue still inside our Luke series. And I'm excited to refresh him, to wash his feet, like spiritually bless John Vincent. Because he takes good news to people. He's the feet of Jesus modern day. Do we give that type of honor today? Do we consider that? Do we thank those who are living out the gospel in community and just somebody walked up to me yesterday at the Bonnie Lake days and said, man, I just want to thank you guys. You do so good at being present in the community. You're a good representation of Jesus. I was like, wow. Final thought. Final thought. Faith overcomes fear and leads to peace. We need to put our faith in Jesus. That's what saves this woman. And we'll overcome the fears of our past and be able to enter into the promise of our future. We've just got to understand the parable and the story both say 100% canceled, forgiven, free. While the woman with the alabaster jar loved much, it was her faith that led her to forgiveness, to her salvation and promise of peace. Think of the fear she had to overcome to walk into that room where she knew the most critical judgment would come and not just walk into the room to hopefully talk to Jesus, interrupt the meal, begin to wash Jesus' feet, and weep and get caught up in joy for the forgiveness and faith she had for that moment. All the men reclined around the table, leaning on the large pillows, very awkward distraction, and you know what? I bet it was Holy Spirit inspired. This kind of faith is the key that unlocks peace. Jesus is not looking down on you, just waiting to come and Judge you. He's just waiting for you to come to his feet. He's waiting for you to come and just say, Thanks, Jesus. You went to the cross and you bore all my sin. I don't live in my past. And I'm grateful for that because, like, I sucked. (laughs) I made awful decisions. And he freed me. I make bad decisions all the time, and I can still run to his feet. And he points me to my future. Jesus literally cancels the penalty and path of sin in our lives if we'll just run to him, if we'll just confess him as Christ, if we'll choose to follow Jesus today. So, what's your action plan? On the back of your connection card, there's some options on the left hand side hopefully you filled that out like we do value that you're here and fill that out but on the back side there's some options man maybe you just maybe today you need to choose to follow Jesus and we're gonna pray here you can invite him into your life but there's more than that you gotta start making you know steps to grow in a relationship with him Maybe you need to own your new identity in Christ. Maybe for you, you need to love much and you've been easily in Simon's seat versus Jesus. Maybe the courage to act in faith and not fear guided by the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but I'm gonna pray God just awakens something in you this week. Lord, I thank you for everyone who came today. What a gift to be able to gather and worship you to be able to modern day just extravagantly maybe worship you give you our offering of praise what a gift and some in here maybe they've not ever made that decision to run to your feet and, and confess you as Christ maybe they've never extended their faith to follow you They're still living with their past and in that path. But today they have an opportunity to choose to follow you, Jesus, and have their eternity shifted, new course, new path, new journey, new story. Simply just by choosing to follow you, saying, Jesus, come into my life. If that's you, just say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you as my Savior. I want to embrace this forgiveness of my past that this text promises. And I want to to live this new life of peace. God, give me peace. I pray that everybody in this room would go with just a new sense of refreshed identity and peace in you today. And God, give freedom to those who've been living in the chapter that you've forgiven already give freedom to those who didn't realize you've read their entire story. God, I pray that it would, uh, we would realize you're not shocked. You're just looking at us and you're saying, very good. Help us grasp that today and empower us to live a life of peace and freedom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.